Hello and welcome to the Quest for a Good Life with Dr. Mike Strauss. Dr. Strauss, we talked about a lot of things. It has been a quest, but everything that we've accomplished, there's a lot of engineering behind it. There's a lot of infrastructure. And I was wondering if you can um, let us know how all of that was built. I can. Over time, I've tried to take everybody from the home to the agency on how we do what we do. Um, but really what I want to talk about today on the last thing is just the enterprise solution that is iLink. And, and, and what I really want to get across is I always like to give analogies, you know, I always talk about now the old days. The old days was face-to-face -face and property. That's how they approached everything. That's how we all did. You had hospitals, you had clinics, you had behavioral folks that had people come in. They did assessments or they had people collect data and they brought data to them. Everything was sort of centrist. When they had to get services, they'd come to a central location. When they had to, you know, get clinical support, they'd come to a central location, come to me. You know, that, that's, that was the mentality. And that was accomplished by a building, right? Yeah. And that was the agency infrastructure. But then COVID taught the world that uh, there's going to be a lot of excess buildings because people have realized, you know, that, that there's a different way to do this. Now, we've known that for some time. So anyway, iLink is our version of a replacement of infrastructure We've connected the homes to a neighborhood, the neighborhood to a support center, to clinics, to behavioral services. Everything now is not about how you can come to those places, but is how can those places come to you? So, you know, iLink on an enterprise level is an infrastructure for an agency. Now, the problem is this is really foreign. To a lot of people. I mean, I think COVID set the stage for interest because right now, as you know, we're absolutely swamped in, in, in people who are interested in this new infrastructure because, you know, Zoom isn't quite enough. We're looking for on-demand virtual help from experts at the, at the moment of need. So anyway, our technology is an infrastructure that allows that. But it's foreign to most agencies. And so there's a couple things that's important to know. Our system is designed to be an infrastructure, but we don't require the agencies to figure out how do they do protect their data security. So what we do is that we've put everything in the cloud and protected it in ways that are way beyond us. But right now, our video data is hosted in a secure uh, sort of health facility data center uh, that is designed, you know, way beyond our capabilities, uh, you know, to protect hospital data and, and bank data and other kinds of data and secure servers uh, in environments with, you know, redundancies that you can't even imagine. Everything we do uh, is cloud-based and hosted by somebody who's, expertise is that. And so I think it's really important 
to understand there's a whole level of security that goes on around that so that our customer doesn't have to to control the data. They just access these clouds that are that are secure. And so it takes one little thing off of our desk of, of, of concern at a local level. I recognize that's not something that you can or should do, and you will never have the infrastructure and control that say like an Amazon would have or a true, you know, data center would have. That doesn't limit all your, your risk and that's why it's important. So we keep our video data, which are our eyes, and our and our uh, uh, Island Assist, which is the logic and the control of everything. They're both cloud-based programs, but they're in different clouds. Goodlife uh, uses uh, quite a few of the AWS products. Uh, specifically, we use the EC2 product line for all of our server hosting. Uh, that's essentially uh, our own ISP in the cloud. So um, any of the load balancing and the failover equipment we use is all uh, handled by them. Uh, we also use all of their domain name services. So all of the URL, um, uh, DNS resolution work is done in the Amazon cloud. So uh, it's really a tight package in terms of, of you know, everything happens within, within, within that cloud. And we, uh, on top of that, of course, uh, provide our own uh, security measures and uh, everything from access control logging. Um, we use the AWS uh, uh, 2FA two-factor authentication. Um, and uh, so, you know, we know that, uh, you know, who's logging in is, is getting validated or reauthorized on a regular basis. Uh, in terms of the data, uh, you know, it, again, we, you know, we work with uh, Amazon's uh, firewalls. Uh, we control the rules with, uh, uh, you know, uh, help from a lot, of, a lot of smart minds. So there's not a whole lot of holes open. And really the only way that you uh, uh, offer, offer yourself up to the hacking world is by having holes. And uh, so, um, our, you know, the holes, the ports we do have open are, are pretty tightly controlled and, you know, uh, monitored. Uh, one of the biggest benefits of hosting everything with the AWS EC2 uh, cloud infrastructure is that we don't have to go out and procure our own equipment. We don't have to do any of the research involved. Uh, there's obviously no shipping, receiving, assembly, setup, configuration. All of that is done in the cloud, and probably 98% of it is done by Amazon AWS uh, because they've taken all of the, uh, you know, the, the heavy lifting, the legwork out of it. So, you know, just in terms of a firewall, all we have to do is, is, is log in and, you know, assign security rules for each of the instances uh, or each of the traffic flows that, we, that you know, we want to provide a, a particular security profile to. For example, uh, our, our databases uh, and the instances which host our databases, they're completely closed off to the rest of the world. The only access is granted is within Amazon's interior infrastructure, and that's controlled by Amazon's firewalls. Uh, so we probably have three or four different, uh, uh, you know, logical firewall passageways uh, within our uh, our application infrastructure. But we didn't have to buy any of the hardware for that. Uh, AWS took care of all of that. Uh, there's also a, an enormous uh, group of, of talent available worldwide. So if we ever need any kind of support, uh, it's there in a minute, and we don't have to maintain that type of, of skill set, uh, you know, on, on a daily basis. We don't have to go out and hire for it, right? We can focus on on, on our specialties, which is you know bringing in talent that builds 
uh, products for the IDT and the uh, Asian Place senior community uh, to help them more live, live more independently, live more successfully independently. Um, so our data center, of course, is it's a, a um, level three data center that includes HIPAA compliancy. It includes, um, you know, battery backup. It's a 12 megawatt system, meaning it can supply more power than, you know, we would ever, you know, ever need. With uh, data bank, when you go in there, we have uh, different levels of security. So there is probably one, two, about four different levels of security before we get to where our actual equipment is. Um, we have uh, what's called a man trap, where only people that are allowed to be in there could not go through a door, you know, without without proper permission. Um, we, um, you know, have the biometric fingerprint scans. We have um, NFC tags that we use to let us in. There's a combination of of items to get in. There's, of course, also 24/7 security and uh, video surveillance in our in our uh, data center. The servers are actually powered off of battery backups. And if there is actually an issue and the, the main power coming from the power companies goes out, which most likely wouldn't happen since there's two separate power grids that feed that, one coming from you know one side of a grid, one coming from another. But in, you know, in, in, if that ever happened, uh, the battery backups that are there, the systems run on them anyway, so it wouldn't miss a beat. And after X amount of times, there's uh, diesel generators there that will kick in, of course, to have, have no downtime. The data is uh, very similar when it comes to the internet. It's a blended internet. So data comes in from multiple carriers and is actually blended together. So if a leg of data ever went down, we'd be none the wiser. It just automatically picks up on the, on the other side. When it, when it comes to our actual systems themselves, we mirror our systems completely. So we have what's called an A and a B leg that come into the, to the system. And the A leg would be basically like the primary side and the B would be the, the backup, which would be the secondary mirror. So each one of our systems are identical copies of each other. And if, in the, you know, in, if everything, everything works, you know, perfectly, the systems just constantly mirror each other. If one of them goes out, the other side just picks right up and no one, you know, knows any, any different. That gives us time to go out and, of course, figure out what the problem is and, and repair anything. But by having that true mirrored redundancy, of, of the data, um, you know, the camera feeds, everything that comes in, there's really, you know, and that, and that includes the power. So you have, you know, the electricity is what's called an AB circuit. So one side is on one power channel, one side's on another. That's same same with the data. So everything is literally mirrored right down the, the middle. Going in uh, was quite amazing. Um, first of all, you're, um, you enter a place that looks like a mission control center, like a NASA mission control center, where your biometrics are taken. Um, your identification is checked. And once your identity is confirmed and it's been um, compared to the ticket, a badge is issued and you have to go through several steps to enter the facility. Um, and one thing that really amazed me was, you know... Um, like in those science fiction movies when you are about to uh, leave the space station and go into space, there's a depressurizing chamber uh, where you have to go in, one door closes, and only then the other door can open. And that's how it is in the data bank, so dust particles don't even come into the server room. And also, obviously, it was very impressive, the temperature and the humidity you can feel the difference right away. 
and the how clean the whole place is. Absolutely, there's there's sensors throughout the the data center that that monitor you know the the temperatures, the airflow. Um, it's it's a really amazing center they they have there, and uh, the mission control that you saw when you when you came in, they're constantly monitoring uh, the the data flows and really really everything that comes in and out of the building, so they can they can make a change at a moment's notice to you know when it comes to the internet to find the best routes you know so to speak to be able to make sure that you've got the best. Uh, level of, of data. Uh, some of the things you saw that, that were in there for monitoring or power monitoring, they're constantly monitoring the, the, the battery backups and the levels of uh, power that are coming in. And of course, the humidity, the temperature, and all the systems work together to keep that, you know, in, in a perfect uh, harmony there to make sure that the equipment's at the, the, the right level for everything. Two things came to mind uh, when I entered. Um, first, you remember how cluttered everything was just 10 years ago. Cables, hanging from everywhere. When you go into a server room, there's so much equipment, it's clunky, it's big. Now you enter this place and it's minimalist. There's nothing extra. It's just so crisp, clean. You realize there it is. The 21st century is indeed here. And then when I entered the server room, the other thought I had was, I guess this is where you can have surgery because it's like a surgery room because there's no contaminants whatsoever. Data centers have come a long way, and you know, compared to hosting the equipment at at you know somebody's office where people used to you know keep servers in a in a server room and you know or sometimes in a in a closet even. There's no comparison. You know, when when you get to that to that level uh, of redundancy there and, and and cleanliness, really, it's it's a it's the the proper way these days to to be uh, storing all our information. So then the next step is architecture. We are providing this infrastructure to another agency, and that is so different than what they've done. How do you set up your business to really do it differently? Well, you have to make changes in policy and procedures. You have to change service agreements. You have to change, you know, memorandums of understanding with employees, signage, training. Yes. Everything kind of has to be redesigned. Yeah. And that doesn't happen overnight. So the way we approach this with another agency, first of all, we begin with an assessment. And that's usually a site review that we do uh, so that we can design a system that meets their needs. We provide support and infrastructure and help teach people a new way of doing things. Uh, we'll help them pivot so they can get the, the best of what technology has to offer. But one of the key distinctions of what we do from other people is we're not a call center and we're not a remote support service. We don't do a service for you. We help somebody else do that with our technology. We teach them how to drive. We don't drive for them. All this work, whether it's changes of how you design it because you do a site review or assessments with clients so that you know what kinds of possibilities of support exist. That's our world. We will help people do that until they learn how to do it for themselves. We'll help them with that. Then we'll teach them how to use our technology and coach them. And then we stand there and support them on an ongoing basis and provide coaching as needed. Our systems will always be improving and they'll always be evolving. And because of that, 
there will be ongoing support for a long time. The thing I really want to get across is that this is the replacement of, of the old way of doing things, which is mostly buildings and property and clinics and places. Remember that discussion we had, Evo, about Blockbuster versus Netflix? Yes, yes. Okay, Blockbuster was a store. That's what I'm talking about. The store is the property. Yeah. And we wouldn't let go of that. Netflix still gave the same movie to the customer, but they did it very differently and there was no store. You know, we have made that pivot from Blockbuster to Netflix, from a grocery store to to uh, Instacart and Grubhub. And now we're doing it in our industry. It's nothing new. Yes, it used technology, but actually it was a whole different infrastructure which was not relying on a building. Yeah. And that's where we are. So in ending, in order to make that pivot for people who've had buildings, and now they're going away from that to deliver care at the moment of need, and really leveraging what's possible with technology, they have to understand that the only way to do that is if people who know those people, those persons served incredibly well, they know the licensing, they know how to provide care, those people have to sort of be re-taught, and the agency has to be re-engineered to deliver services in a whole different way, and that requires assessment, program design, training, ongoing support, and sort of new things as they're developed and sort of coaching opportunities ongoing. That's what that whole process, you know, requires. So iLink is about 50% technology and 50% know-how and coaching. And you can't do one without the other. It would almost be irresponsible to provide, you know, that kind of, of technology without the instruction of how to do it. Agencies will develop their own internal experts. You know, that's the whole role. We're not trying to build a dependency on what we, we do. We just want to make sure that people, you know, know the crime link is a world-class way of delivering care to people who are living really inclusive settings and really wonderful lives. Yes, and COVID was the inflection point that made it pretty obvious that everybody needs to consider services like iLink. Yeah, you know, it's, that's such a good point is that, that, that we knew this since 2000, that direction. We really did. Um, and most people, uh, you know, have been talking about the need to embrace technology, but COVID overnight just was that laser shot that said, it's going. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Strauss. It's been a great quest. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it. I look forward to our next one. Thank you.